0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 15 of the Two Pat Stack Podcast. I'm your host, Ace, alongside my co-host, Burge, the goalie. Burge, how's it going today, buddy?
1: Oh, it's going. You know, uh, I was watching football today, so if you're a Patriots fan, if you didn't know, we're recording this on Sunday. If you're a Patriots fan, you probably share why I sound a little bit somber right now, but getting on here to talk hockey with you, Ace, is going to perk me right up. I can't wait.
0: Yeah, yeah, I didn't know. Really, I'm so surprised. You watched, you watched football today.
1: On if you see on the, on the video, man, I still I'm repping my jersey. I I, I want to take it off, but I'm not happy. But getting to talk about the undefeated in regulation Boston Bruins with you right now is going to be fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. How, how how was your week?
0: It was a week. Um... Things getting really, uh, you know, officially serious at work. So I'm getting pretty busy there on the Monday through Friday side of things. I had my first full weekend off from the brewery in a long while. So that was a little weird, like Sunday afternoon hit and I'm sitting here on my ass. I'm like, well, shit, like I should probably like do laundry or like some of those like household (laughs) responsibilities.
1: No, don't waste your weekend doing that. (laughs) So
0: instead, I went to the brewery where I usually work while I'm not working. To watch the Patriots game and I had a couple <laughs> brewskis there and oh my god dude like it's uh yeah it's been a weekend it's been a week um Bruins had a little bit of a week here mm-hmm. uh so that's what we'll we'll talk about first let's dive in at the week that was so the Bruins return from their west coast trip um come to find out that our good friend Milan Lucic has been added to long term injured reserve after he blocked a what i believe was a derek forbord shot it from a point yep. um no official word on what the injury is i mean you know how the nhl is with determining injury status uh lower body injury uh earliest he can return i believe is november 16th due to the cba rules around injured reserve so uh no looch and uh you know what that means we're going to have a heavy dose of Patrick Brown for uh, the foreseeable future for one reason or another. And we're going to talk about that a little later. But first off, uh, our good friends, the Chicago Blackhawks, who we've already seen once uh, for our opening night, um, these were wrapping up their Western road swing after a highly successful campaign that we've already talked about a little bit on the last episode. Uh, where they went three and zero against California. Bees were in Chicago, and uh, who else but Jeremy Swayman gets the three nothing shutout win. Um, what were your takeaways for that win overall there, Bearish against the Blackhawks?
1: I mean, they took care of business against a team that I consider to be very inferior to the Boston Bruins uh, the Chicago Blackhawks you know they had the first overall pick last year as i'm sure everybody knows we've heard a nice healthy dose of connor bedard's name on every broadcast that you know the bruins have played and of course they did see the blackhawks twice already at the, in the early stages of the season this year thank god we don't have to see them again because we don't have to put up with hearing connor bedard's name nonstop during the game but for me they came out and they 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 Dominated this game. They shot the Blackhawks 43 to 23. Jeremy Swayman made the saves he needed to make in this game to preserve the shutout. It was nice to see Pavel Zaka get, his, get, get on the board with a goal. Uh, can I just say how much I hate the offsides challenges? Oh,
0: I love this. Yes, please do.
1: <laughs> the The one in this game did go in the Bruins' favor. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it was nice for the challenge to go the Bruins' way. For once, because it seems like every time that I think and mention the word offsides challenge, I think about the Bruins getting screwed by some ridiculous offsides challenge that occurred 30 seconds after the the zone entry happened, had no bearing on the play, and it gets reversed and the Bruins get screwed. Well, today, this game against the Blackhawks, it went in their favor. Does not change my opinion on the rule. The goal by Connor Bedard, of all people, should have counted, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. just the ticky tackness that 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 replay is bringing into into hockey with this is is a problem. And again, I sound like we might be beating a dead horse. When we're talking about this because it's been subject of conversation around the league for the last few years since they brought it in. They got to add some sort of stipulation to the the rule. I mean, at some point, you got to put the onus on the defensive team to get the puck out of the effing zone. All right. Yeah. And and if you're talking like like an inch an inch off which i believe that's what it was in this game it like it was very 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 not close not even dude yeah. not even like it was marginal you start talking like that it's like okay now we're starting to get into nba and nfl territory when it comes to the instant replay and as somebody who watches the nfl on a religious basis let me tell you that when there's a ticky tack play like that that ends up you know deciding a game yeah, if you're the team that benefits from it, yo, yeah, you're pumped. You're like, oh, they got it right, they got it right. But if you're the team that gets screwed by it, oh man, does it not is it not good? And put a time limit on it. You know what I mean? Put a time limit on it. If you can't the offensive team doesn't get the puck out within 15 seconds, or that offside occurs 15 seconds after the play that and, and the, the goal happens, then it can't be challenged or reviewed. Like I, I don't understand hundred percent profe- these professional sports leagues infatuation that's going to be a common term you're going to hear on this podcast today with instant replay because it serves should a that, purpose but it doesn't
0: should that be the title of the episode infatuation
1: oh, oh yes oh yes That's beautiful. Because <laughs> we are going to be using that word a lot today yeah
0: i, I, I think you you hit the nail on the head there burge i'm a hundred percent in alignment with you there and you can't call us homers here on the two pad stack because like burge says this is something that benefited the boston bruins on this case And if you go back during the time of the game and you look at both of our timelines, we were both uniform in saying, this is a problem with the NHL. You know, when the NHL is looking to grow and we are actively shooting ourselves in the feet with the instant replay obsession, um, I mean, we have no one to blame but ourselves here. I mean, you have the poster child of the future of the NHL in there with a beautiful goal Mm -hmm. That we are wiping off the board because the zone entry that occurred 30 to a minute, 30 seconds to a minute before the goal was millimeters offside. Now, I mean, you go back to the intent of the rule when it was first created, which was, you know, a good rule at the time because there were offside plays occurring where the linesmen were distracted from one we're using or another there's a lot going on on the ice surface if you don't realize you know the linesman may be jumping to try to avoid a skater or a puck or something he can't always focus and he's not gonna the, the guy that's right there on the blue line can't focus on the blue line 100% of the time and you can't rely on the other linesman who may be on the other side of the ice who doesn't have the right field of view mm-hmm. to accurately call a offside call So the instant replay or the replay, the video replay review of an offsides to add as a coach's challenge was implemented to wipe off egregious Egregious. offside plays, Mm -hmm. not the ones that are like one inch, two inch. We're talking about like the one that occurred. I forget the playoff series. It was it was a very serious one.
1: Do you yeah. do you remember
0: the series that I'm?
1: I think I'm it was the Avalanche. I think it was the Avalanche, if I'm not mistaken. But it was like it was a Western like,
0: Conference game. Yeah, I, I and can he, recall
1: that he had come. It was like it was the guy was tacking up, or I think it was, and the puck was clearly behind, and he was like taking a weird angle, and clearly, I want to say like probably, four or foot, five feet, yeah, yeah, way over, and they missed it for whatever yeah. reason. They missed it, and it resulted in a goal yep so and that, that is what
0: yeah the rule was implemented for is to wipe those off the board now you know i 100 agree with burge on that you know we're, we're creating unnecessary work there's a problem with the amount of time that the games last already yeah. like when, when it takes five minutes to go into frame by frame detail Absolutely. and even then your cameras aren't even good enough to like truly define if it's off-site or not like we're just we're we're wasting our time here as as a league you know let's go ahead and implement a if we're going to be you know conservative 20 second threshold if the goal occurs 20 seconds after the zone entry that gives the defenders plenty of time to you know adjust to make a play to force a turnover and clear the zone you know if the offensive players gain the zone there you know, and and keep it in there. Let's keep it live. Let's keep it going. There's no reason to roll back. You know, let's say, let's say hypothetically uh, a power play unit gains the zone and they are 10 seconds into the power play and they spend the next a minute and 15 seconds cycling the puck making beautiful passes Mm -hmm. boards to boards, you know, crease to or, or, or post to post cross crease and then with 20 seconds left they scored a goal but on that zone entry a minute and a half ago they were offside without a whistle this can be wiped off the board and then that power play unit gets to go back to square one like it's what it. the fuck are we doing here
1: absolutely i dude i couldn't agree with you more and it's like at some point you got to put the onus on the defend on the defending team like you're professionals out there playing the game all right you're supposed to be sound defensively and be able to attack defensively at some point A millimeter offside needs to be wiped out, and the onus needs to be put on the defense, and the blame needs to be put on the defense, being like, Hey, hey, you, yeah, we missed the call, but guess what? As I found out today watching the Patriots game, you can't rely on the officials to get every call correct.
0: (laughs) Ain't that the fucking truth?
1: Like, you, you can't.
0: It's one thing if that offside play directly leads to the goal. If that guy is cheating and they score on the rush, yeah, wipe it off the board. I'm fine with that. even if it's a millimeter off. and And on another note, shout out to one of the top video coaching uh, teams in the league, mm-hmm. matt myers and and the rest of the video team of the Boston Bruins. Like that was a really close offside call. and And in the current letter of the law, they did what their responsibilities are. And they didn't Absolutely. do anything wrong. Nope. This isn't a Boston Bruins problem. This is a league nope. problem. You know, when you are in the highest level of competition in a league, you gotta do whatever you can to get that competitive edge. And the Bruins are well within their right to do what they did. This is a this is a rule that needs to be adjusted at the league level, and they need to do it probably as soon as this next offseason.
1: It was nice to have one go our way for once. I'll just say that.
0: Absolutely. Um so you got our live reaction last week while mm-hmm. Manny Patra Uh, Got his first two goals of the year in his career. Uh, Shout out once again to Burge, who had his stream ahead of mine. And he was patient (laughs) enough to let me experience that live (laughs) reaction. Uh, So love that. Thanks again, Burge. And our number one center, Pavel Zaka, got his first goal of the year in that game against the Chicago Blackhawks. So we're starting to see all the, the, the question marks that all the pundits around the NHL and, and and internally here in the Boston market. I mean, everybody was like, oh, what are the Bruins going to do now that Bergeron and Krejci are gone? A oh, senator is now a problem. Well, I would say that Pavel Zaka and Matty Potra just came out there and they said, hey, crisis averted. We're here. We got you.
1: It's definitely nice to see, and I don't think anybody anybody thought that Matty Patra was going to do what he's done in the preseason and in his first, I think we're at, what, eight games now that he's played with the team. And a welcomed surprise. And and I'm sure Donnie Sweeney's, you know, patting himself on the back for that draft pick. And it's about time we finally get one of these young kids that, at least in the early going here, looks to be that guy. And he's continued it over these eight games. And I'm sure, you know, once they – Officially announced. I know the Bruins are playing a little bit of games with, you know, committing to him past that ninth game, which I believe is, uh, you know, tomorrow night, Monday night. Well, there's going to be some growing pains that are going to occur throughout the season, you know, once he's, you know, chosen to stay here. And playing on a daily basis for his rookie season, so let's 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 make sure that we keep that in mind when we're, we're evaluating him. I have no faith in the Bruins fan base to do that. Just just as a precursor here, I've just seen it too much in the past. But we have to make sure that the kid is 19 years old. He's come out. He's looked really good. I do not expect him to sustain it for 82 games in his rookie season. I hope he proves me wrong, but I do not expect it out of him. I expect there to be some downs that are going to come in his game. Maybe he goes through some slumps, maybe in the face-off circle, maybe spend some games up on the ninth floor at some point, you know, in the middle to the end of the season. I expect that to happen. I think it's pretty common with rookies in the NHL that are not like top, top drop draft picks that the franchise has kind of, you know, made their bed with moving forward. And, but it, nonetheless, way better than I think anybody ever expected And I am excited to watch this kid grow with the team and see what he can do going forward. I just hope that a lot of the fans don't put a lot of the, you know, the pressures of, oh, he's the next Bergeron and the next Krejci. I see a lot of that
0: crap already, man.
1: Unfair. Unfair expectations to, to compare him to a guy that played 20 years for this franchise at an elite level. Unfair. Let's let him make his own, his own path, his own, his own name for himself and let's let him grow as an NHL player at his rate. Cause it's going to happen. I think, I think we've seen enough to know that he's going to be at least something in the NHL, as long as his development continues that upward trend. He's, and he's he already a third up.
0: line center, dude. He's already yeah. as good as an NHL third line center,
1: a borderline second line center. He's a borderline. Where's
0: the ceiling for this kid? I, yeah. I it's, we don't know yet.
1: It, I just want to make sure that people, people temper the expectations for his rookie season. That's that's what yeah. I want. I want to make sure that the kid doesn't get unfair hate for being a rookie, 19 years old, coming in and filling some massive shoes down the middle for the Bruins.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of it is like a little bit of like a meme and a little bit of a joke. But the problem is is like you you can't really tell with some people on if they are part of the meme of saying, you know, uh, the, there's the image of St. Patrice holding the baby. Yeah. And Matty Potra is the baby. Like, like that's that's funny as shit. Like, I yeah. love that. But then you've got some people that are, like, honestly, like, oh, you know, Patrice started at 18 and Matty Potra started at 19. They're both centermen. That means Matty Potra is going to be as good as, like, like, hit the brakes here, buddy. Like, I would love that to occur. But that's incredibly disrespectful to Patrice Bergeron to ever come out and say this kid that's proven nothing yet will ever have a career like Patrice Bergeron. And I'm not saying Patrice would see that and be like, wow, I can't yeah. believe you'd fucking say that. But, like, let's let let us hit the brakes here. Give the kid a chance. And don't put those lofty expectations on him because that's unnecessary pressure for the kid. And, uh, you know, we, we all want him to be successful. And let, let's not be like Toronto out here.
1: Well, not to cross, uh, you know, cross sports here. But, like, it was kind of an eerily similar kind of... Feeling that I'm getting from this that we got when Mac Jones was drafted, comparing him to you know Tom Brady in New England for the Patriots, oh it's God. kind of the same thing. Comes out, has a fantastic rookie season. And you're like, oh, this kid, we we're not missing a beat. He's gonna be the next Brady. He's got the same makeup. He's got the same decision making in the intangibles. And you know, as a Patriots fan, we're seeing what it looks like when that doesn't happen right now with the Patriots. It's it's the same thing. So. If you're a Broods fan and you watch the Patriots too, like I like I do, use that as kind of your like, hey, let's pump the brakes on the kid. Let's let him mature and grow at his own rate, his own pace, without saddling him with these expectations that he's going to be the next great thing.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Um, but, man, it is fun to watch this kid, and he is Absolutely. good. And let's enjoy the ride as it goes. We're playing with house money right now. Mm-hmm. This kid was not supposed to be ready yet, and he, he seems to be – and we are at the point where Cam Neely came out and said, We're going to make our decision on if Matt Patra is going to stick with the roster after game eight. Well, guess what? Game eight is done, and he is <laughs> one of our top two centers. Matty Patra will be staying with this team for the rest of the year. And I am stoked for that. Me so um, I, I will continue to temper my expectations. He is not a Berger on 2.0, but. Seeing this kid protect the puck and make smart, heady plays that you don't see out of rookies in this league across the board. You watch all of these top-level rookies that come into the NHL that are like first overall picks. And a great example of that is Alexei Lafreniere. You know, he is out there in New York. Really, you know, he's got an nhl ready body. Everybody's saying he's going to be a top-end player. Drafted first overall. The kid doesn't know what the fuck to do with this positioning. He doesn't know what to do with the puck when he has it. Mm-hmm. And it's a learning process. And I'm not saying that Alexei Lafreniere is a bad player or a bust or anything. You know, he's on a very good Rangers team. But it takes some people time to figure right. out how to contribute at the NHL level, especially when you have that much pressure of an original six franchise on you. Matty Protter doesn't have the pressure of being a number one overall pick, but now that he's come out and proven that he can play at the NHL level, this is a market that is going to put pressure on him. And I think everybody needs to temper their expectations. Mm -hmm. So, I think we've, we've talked enough about Matty Protter and expectations here. Um, He's made the club. He's deserved it. I am incredibly excited to see where he goes with this. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll turn the page there and go on to the next topic. Um Bruins are looking to continue their undefeated streak, and they were hosting the Anaheim Ducks. And uh so far so good in that game. Had a, I believe, three to one lead in the third period. Everything looked like it was going well. And then uh our good friend Patrick Brown took a wonderful penalty. Put the Bruins shorthanded with about two minutes left. And then boom. It's three to two. All right, you know, no big deal. It's, it's just the Ducks, right? You yep. know, let's reconvene, get our PK going. We have a strong PK. Oh, the PK done now. Okay, whatever. They have an extra man. We're still a strong team. You know, win the puck, clear it, run the clock. Couldn't do it. Nope. Couldn't do it. And the Ducks end up tying it with like less than a minute to force overtime. Um. Not really stoked with how that game ended. I think that there were a lot of poor decisions across the board, even from players that historically aren't one of those players that make those poor decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, And then ultimately, overtime happens. Great, we get a point. Seven games, you know, point streak. That's great. But that overtime was one of the worst overtimes I have ever seen the Boston Bruins play. They barely touched the puck. Like, the Ducks had possession 95% of the time in overtime. And then the Bruins get possession, like, briefly. And then they just threw it away. And then off the rush, Ducks come down. They score off the rush. And they lose a two-goal lead that they had with less than two minutes left in the third. What What's your kind of post-mortem on that game? Are we overreacting to say that's a little bit of a concern? Or what are your thoughts on that, Burge?
1: I have some concerns with that. And obviously, there's been some games since that game occurred. I didn't see the overtime. I, I, I only saw kind of the end of the game and I had to go to bed for work. But the fact and the effort that came into trying to clear that puck out with the empty net and down a man, and the amount of chances that the team had to get it out and failed, it's not like, it's not like the Ducks did anything spectacular to keep the puck in the zone. It's just the, the clearing attempts that the Bruins had didn't have enough juice or thrown into bad areas or put right on the stick of, of, of the Ducks' you know, power play unit. And that, that does concern me a little bit going forward because maybe not in such a dramatic fashion as two minutes, but a lot of the team this year, and I know it, it, it may not seem like a lot, but a, it, it feels to me that like a lot of the team are some of these older veterans that are kind of some retreads. Obviously, JVR is panning out for the Bruins early on in the season. But you got guys like Patrick Brown. Milan Lucic is already hurt. Uh, it, it concerns me over the course of, a, of an 82-game season. As a one-game, kind of, all right. They let down in the last couple minutes, rebound from it. And we'll get into that because obviously that, that, that rebound game has happened, but we'll get into that. If they get into a stretch in the middle of the season, when injuries occur and they start losing a game or two in a row, because I'm sorry, I'm not going to be one of those people that's going to buy that. They're going to be this team. That's going to lose 10 games all season. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I don't believe that this team is going to replicate what the team did last year, despite their start. All you gotta do is like, kind of look at the schedule and the teams that they've played. They haven't played a lot of the, you know, meat and potatoes of the NHL, so to speak. Uh I as long as as long as it does not become a habit, then it's something that we can just write off as hey, you know, maybe they played down to a lesser opponent in the last couple minutes of a game where they they should have won. They didn't. All right, let's move on. Put it away and let's let's get on. Let's get on with the season. That being said, they need to clean up that 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 PK or whatever that, that that occurred, whatever that that shit was at the end of that game. It was just get the get the puck out of the zone. You guys are professionals. All right. Dive. Use your hand. Throw it out of the zone. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to get that puck out of the zone in that moment, you have to get it out of the zone. I don't care what it takes. You have to do it. And they obviously didn't. And it had a little bit, and I saw this, this was this tweet on Twitter. I don't remember who it was from. But it, it had that kind of that vibe of that of the of the 2013 Maple Leafs playoff game where it was like, all right, this team's kind of cruising to a victory against against a team that's not playing their best. Obviously the ducks are are a little bit of an inferior opponent, but they blew it late in the game in a situation where, yeah, maybe you're going to give up one goal there because you're down two men, empty net, this and that, you're penalty killing, you guys are tired. Maybe you're going to give up one, but two, two goals in the last two minutes of a game is absolutely inexcusable. I don't care. And then to not be able to actually show up in overtime, which I think at least if I had watched the game, and this is obviously a little bit of Monday morning quarterbacking, armchair quarterback, you know, the next day, but you give up you, you give up that kind of effort in the end of a game especially in a three-on-three situation in overtime, you have zero momentum. I don't expect you to win that game. I don't think you're going to win that game. I think that you guys have kind of yeah. gave it up at that point.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. And and I think
1: it. it I don't want to be too much of
0: a skies falling guy with one, one loss here. You know, the Bruins have had a decent start to the year. And I think people are also starting to realize, despite all the people that are coming out and saying, oh, the Bruins have had a really light schedule. You know, they're not as good as what everyone thinks they are. You know, we're having top-tier teams go up against those light-schedule opponents Mm -hmm. that the Bruins have, and they've lost. You know, everyone thinks Toronto's definitely going to make the playoffs. Do you know who Toronto's lost to? Chicago. Anaheim's gone out there, and they've beaten tough opponents as well. You know, it it may be a joke, and and people may think this is funny, but the Philadelphia Flyers have had a fantastic start to their season. John Totorella has them working hard. And uh, the Flyers went out there after narrowly losing to the almost undefeated Vegas Golden Knights, and they were beaten by the Anaheim Ducks just after we were. So uh, I think that more stock needs to be paid towards the success of the early start. The Bruins dropped the ball. They fumbled against the Anaheim Ducks. They should have closed out that game. But to just write off the Anaheim Ducks as an inferior opponent – and saying mm-hmm. that you know the bruins should have won by barely doing anything i think is uh it, it's it's not fair to say and shout out to second overall pick from this year leo carlson in that game um you can really see his vision and and he ended up uh playing a role on at least one of those goals to force overtime, and uh you know, they've got something good cooking over there in Anaheim and and former Bruin Frank Vitrano is lighting it up this year. So uh, I think he's got seven goals on this season already, which I think is just behind after last night, which we'll touch on a little bit, David Posternock. Um but yeah, it's uh it, it's 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 a little bit of a concern for them not being able to wrap up that game. But uh, you know, hey, we'll say it's uh it's a learning experience. And Jim Montgomery came out after the game and he said all the right things. It's inexcusable for them to not close out Mm -hmm. a game where they have a two goal lead with two minutes left, which I like to hear from my coach because it's not. At this level, You're professionals do your fucking job and close out the game. So I think that they all learned from that and they followed it up with a game against the Detroit Red Wings. A good club that also is struggling a little bit recently, but was at the uh the top of the atlantic division standings uh right behind boston and uh i would say you know i was at this game i was up in section 308 uh as part of my 11 game package the bruins stifled the red wings for about 85% of this game mm-hmm. and they played excellently like that is probably one of the best games i've seen them play
1: all year systematically were you able to watch this game live birch I watched some of it. I was able to get some of it. I'm one of those unlucky people that has to work weekends. So I had to go to bed pretty early, but I did watch some of it was very impressed and I was following the game. I wasn't necessarily watching it from, you know, from my bed, but I was following it up until I, you know, dozed off. And I think this is another situation. This is something I wanted to talk to talk about before we moved on, but in terms of the starts for these franchises, I just want to temper everyone's expectations for any team that's come out of the gate right now. If your team has come out struggling, guess what? You got 82, you got another 76 games to, you know, fix it. So it's going to, you could say that the Bruins coming out the way that they have has been absolutely fantastic. I didn't expect it but let's temper the expectations to think that they're going to repeat what they did last year. And it goes to the same for teams like, like Philadelphia, like they're coming out of the gate early. I, I personally don't think that that team is good enough to sustain that over the course of an 82 game season. So but let's they just, do have Cam Atkinson and Sean
0: Couturier back, who they didn't have before, and those are sure. legitimate top six forwards. So we'll see what John Tortorella can do over there in Philadelphia. Sorry to cut you off.
1: No, you're good. Yeah, absolutely. But again, I I just want to make sure, like, let's let's get through let's get through twenty thirty game. Let's get through a third of the season, and we can reevaluate that kind of thing. Yeah. But in terms in terms of getting back to to the Red Wings game that you were at, well, on that note that you just said, like, you can't you can't make the playoffs
0: in the first 25 percent of the season right but you can miss them in the first 25 percent absolutely of the season. like if you're not ready and you are just having an abysmal start to the season like the mm-hmm. Seattle Kraken or something like that, you could create a hole that's insurmountable but even to your point I hundred percent agree if you're six and oh you know six oh and one seven oh and one that's great. If you get a couple injuries and you start going on a slide, you could find yourself outside the big playoff picture just like that.
1: A 3-4 game slide brings them right back to the middle of the pack. So that's and that's not insanely out of the question to expect that that could occur, especially if you start tossing injuries into it. But getting to the Red Wings game, boy, that what a response from the Boston Bruins against a very formidable opponent, a team that is expected to take that really big next step this year. They've kind of proven it a little bit out of the gate with their record. They were you know, up there in the Atlantic Division standings. They have a couple of really good goal scorers in Alex Dabrinkit and Dylan Larkin. And the Bruins showed up to play Saturday night. We'll just leave it at that. They showed up. They really walked over the the Red Wings. And that's, uh, I'm going to say this. I'm going to temper my expectations again. That's going to be another theme of this episode for me. I'm going to temper my expectations a bit. But that is exactly the kind of response I want to see from my team. After you go out and you lay an absolute egg in the last two minutes of a game and lose it overtime. That's exactly the kind of response and the character of a team that I want to see from my team, especially as you get late in the season, that should continue. You get late in the season, you get in the playoffs, you blow a playoff game, you know, and you're up against it and you come out and you respond like that. That's that's, that shows character that shows the character of the locker room. And, I was I was very impressed. I I had expected them this was going to be their first loss. They kind of had that kind of that perfect that perfect scenario where they came off a bad, bad loss to, in my opinion, a team that is inferior to the Boston Bruins in terms of talent. And they were going up against a team that was really up and coming. They're trying to assert themselves in the Atlantic division a bit. And they shut the door right down on them. So kudos to the Boston Bruins. Very, very pleased with that, with that result.
0: Yeah, and on that note you kind of hit the nail on the head. This was a good example of, you know, a, a chance for the Bruins to kind of get punched right in the mouth and wake up. Mm-hmm. And they were able to go out there and say, you know what? This isn't a fluke. We're not just playing against shitty opponents. We are a good team and we can stifle anybody out there. Bergeron and Krejci, or no Bergeron and Krejci, And, uh, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with the scheduling here and, and a lot of these people that try to be analysts just look at the opponents and opposition, which is, which is fair. You know, there is a level of competition that can be analyzed when there's enough of a result to analyze. We're still very early on into the season. We're not even a month into the season yet. So no real conclusions about how good a team is can truly be made. You can't look at last year's results and make a direct one-to-one comparison. So um, I think it's a little fucked that the Bruins started off the season the first seven games without playing a single opponent from their own conference. The games that they hosted were against Western Conference opponents. The games that they were on the road, obviously, were against Western Conference opponents. So the Bruins have their first divisional game, and they punch their divisional rival right in the fucking teeth. And uh, I love to see it. I think it sends a good message that the Bruins are not ready to just lie down and take being you know, an old, wash team, like... Uh, <clears throat> Tampa Bay Lighting, uh, or anything else like that. And uh, I, I, w- I was in the building. The fans were stoked. Had a lot of Red Wings fans in the building. Not a, I mean, for for a visiting team in Boston, there were a lot of fans in the building from the other team. And it was delightful to see them all walk out silently. And uh, had a great time. Um, that pasta penalty shot was electric. Wow. I, I got a great clip of that. Go ahead, Birch.
1: I was going to say, and this, this might be a little bit unrelated, but does it seem like in the NHL this year, there's an uptick in penalty shots because we've seen two now for David Posternak in the first eight games of the season. Did we even see two last year for the entire season? I don't know. I off the top of my head, the stats on it, but it seems like the penalty shot is, is much more common in the NHL in these first eight games of the season than in previous years. And I don't know the reasoning behind it. If the referees are changing the way that they're calling things, if it's just a coincidence with how the, you know, the the, the, the penalty shots have lined up. I I, I don't know, but it se- Plaster X had two in eight games. Like it, to me, it just seems like there's an uptick in it. And, you know, it's a very exciting to play in the NHL that has been kind of watered down since 2005 when they introduced the shootout concept to decide games at the end of games, the breakaways on the goalie. But a penalty shot is one of the most exciting plays in hockey. It's a forward against your your team's goalie. And, you know, as we're goalies here, we're like, well, we got a pretty big disadvantage going in on that. And I think it's great for the NHL if if there's going to be more of them. If they can find a way to eliminate the shootout, because absolutely, it, you know, in when a penalty shot occurs, you're you, you got you got an actual goal that results out of it, not just, uh you know, a, a tally on the shootout. And it has a much more bigger, imp- greater impact in, the, in in a game. And if it doesn't occur as often, like a shootout, you know, every night there seems to be a shootout where you get at least three per team in that. It's actually a very exciting play, and it's a very pressure-filled situation for both the shooter and the goalie. And I I don't know. I, It just seems like with Pasternak getting two in eight games, specifically David Pasternak, one of the best players in the league, makes me want to say that there's either a change in the officiating or a memo or something that went around that said, hey, maybe we can be a little bit more lenient with calling you know, plays penalty shots in games because it you know, all the time, you know, plays happen where you think a play, a shooter's in all alone. He gets hauled down and it's it's just a tripping or a hooking call. It's not a penalty shot. seems like there have been plenty of times in the past where you could be like, Hey, that's a penalty shot. And it's not, if they're, if they're willing to bring that kind of play back into the league to increase some scoring, I'm all for it. I think it's a great, great play, and obviously Pasternak is one of the elite players in the league, so he's going to finish on that on that kind of play more often than not, but you're also going to get guys that are going to get these penalty shots that, that aren't that, and you're going to get to see some big saves out of it, so I'm all for it.
0: Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you that the fact that the shootout has kind of diminished the allure that the penalty shot had, and, and I feel like historically in the last 5-10 years, the penalty shot has been something that you just don't see much of anymore and and the fans and, and I'm not saying in, in the Boston market, you know, in Boston fans for the most part are well educated and they know how hockey works. You know, they understand what happens when there's a penalty shot, but the amount of shootouts that were occurring for a long period of time in the NHL, you know, people are just kind of used to seeing a shooter alone going against a goalie at slow pace. You know, that that level of skill and creativity um has now kind of become a practiced process mm-hmm. instead of a you know on the spot creative process that has gone through by high-end skill players you know back in the day nobody practiced you know shootouts no you know, they were focused on five on five four on four you know and the really weird situation you know three on three pK power play scenarios no coach in their right mind would dedicate the very valuable practice time that they had towards shootout
1: yeah you might get a you might get a play at the end of practice where you're having a friendly competition amongst the team for team building where it'd be like hey player on the goalie if the if he scores you got to do this if he saves it you got to do this that kind of thing so yeah absolutely totally agree with you
0: yeah, um, it's uh, it is what it is. But I, I would love to see more of these calls that could definitely be leaned towards penalty shots called penalty shots. You see a lot of the times where these players are in alone and they're being hooked or slashed and mm-hmm. sticks in the hands and there's that that kind of general understanding from the officials that if it. If, if the player still gets a legitimate scoring opportunity, if he's still able to get the shot off, you don't give the penalty shot. And I think sometimes that's, that's not the right mentality to take because the forward will be in there alone and he may still get the shot off. He's not going to get the shot he wanted off. You know, he's seeing mm-hmm. that pressure on him. He's feeling that stick on him. And he's going to not, you know, make that deke that he would like to make and not get that scoring opportunity that he should be given. And uh, go ahead.
1: I'll say say this. I I agree with your point there, but I don't want to see it so common that it becomes watered down the same way the shootout has watered it down. Does that make sense? I want to see something egregious. He's tripped when he's clearly in, in all alone or, you know, he's clearly impeded when he makes the shot. Fine, but if it's gonna if it starts turning into what a lot of these leagues are doing, the professional sports leagues, we talked about it with the offsides challenge. If it starts becoming a little ticky tack, that's where you're gonna lose me.
0: Absolutely agreed. Um. So yeah, it was a it was a good game there. Uh, happy to see the bees get the win. Um. I I, I just I don't understand. So before the game happened, it came out that. There needed to be some roster shuffling going on. And, you know, I had heard the player that was being called up, Oscar Steen, who had been doing a wonderful job down in Providence. He's been mm-hmm. a, a good player down there, and and certainly he's a, earned some consideration for a call-up. You know, I made I made the awful mistake of coming out there and saying, I don't understand the infatuation with a player like Oscar Steen. Um, there's a lot of Twitter accounts that are out there that are like, uh, "Oh my God, Oscar Steen deserves a chance on this roster right now." And and like I said, he he does, he did, and he got his call up. But acting like this guy is going to revolutionize the sport of hockey or bring the Bruins to the the promised land, or even stick yeah, on the roster, I don't get it. Like he's had countless opportunities mm-hmm. to make this team, and not just last year, like. We're talking multiple years. that yep. this guy, everybody has circled him at the beginning of training camp and said, "All right, this is the year." Oscar Steen Oscar going to take that next step, and he's going to get out there and he is going to make the club and be an NHL player. And uh, it hasn't happened yet. And I don't know, man. Like, I I don't see it. Like, I see him being a bubble player, no more, no less. And, and, and I don't understand that. So I came out there on Twitter on the two pad stack podcast account. And I said that. And oh boy. Yeah. That, that wasn't the right. Hitchforks. Thing apparently. Hitchforks. Yeah.
1: Dude. Yep. You don't have to. I totally agree with you. I don't see him as anything more than a bubble player, a fringe 13th forward, fourth liner, that type of role for a player. I would say maybe fourth line, maybe. If you want to say he's gonna get some third line minutes someday i could i can I can buy that you'd feel that way and i wouldn't i wouldn't wouldn't give you a hard time for that take because he's still kind of young, still has a chance. but that's always gonna be at the end of the day. He's not going to be any any anybody that's 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 really special. and infatuation with everything with it comes to this franchise about things that are so So far down the priority checklist, if you want to call it, drives me up an absolute wall, as I'm sure it did with you when you brought this up on Twitter the other day. Because I've made no secret with myself that this fan base has an infatuation with something that has absolutely no bearing on the game that is played. And that's that the goalie hug. We all know where I stand on that. I've been very vocal about where I stand on it. And we start counting wins and goalie hug wins like this and that. The infatuation of it is just, to me, it's pointless. And I mean, yeah, root whatever, root for whatever you want. Like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you shouldn't be, be rooting for stuff like this, rooting for somebody like Oscar Steen or rooting for the goalie hug and loving the goalie hug. But I'm going to sit here and tell you that it drives me nuts that I have to sit here and listen and read and, and, and interact with that kind of stuff because, to me, it has no bearing on the game. And the same thing comes with somebody like Oscar Steen being called up. Where's the contract for Danton Heinen? Where is it? He's been on a PTO with his team through eight games in the regular season, and they haven't signed him. Signed him. No doubt that they could, at this point, get him on a veteran minimum salary, which is going to be what Oscar Steen's making, roughly, if not within a few thousand dollars. Why aren't we giving him a chance? Why aren't we signing him to a contract? And then, if it doesn't work out, putting him on waivers and setting him down the way that Patrick Brown is, Seemingly gone up and down. You want to find a good replacement for Patrick Brown when Milan Lucic gets healthy? It's Danton Heinen. It's not Oscar Steen. Danton Heinen is a proven NHL player. He has been around the league for a long time. Has been an effective player. Give me him a hundred times out of a hundred over somebody like Oscar Steen, who's been provided the same opportunities to make a roster and hasn't done it. I'm sick. I'm sick. Of, I'm sick of. I'm sick. Of, I'm, sick of, I'm sick of all this infatuation with stuff that really, really doesn't matter.
0: But hey. Oscar Steen has thighs like tree trunks. So don't you say anything poorly about him.
1: <laughs> Good for him, man. I wish I had legs like tree, Me tree too, trunks. I, lie. No. I ain't going to lie. Holy <laughs> shit. Good for him. Good for him. Just too bad. It doesn't translate to the on ice play in the NHL.
0: Ain't that the truth. Um, speaking of on ice play in the NHL, what's going on with Jake DeBrusca's here? He's, it's a uh, contract he's, year for him. He's Snake bitten. Uh, Snake bitten. Yeah, I mean he he had that breakaway where he hit the post uh yep. against whomever I forget I think it might have been against the Ducks again but uh I I'm wondering what's going on with them. I think I think it is just a little bit of bad luck and it couldn't have happened at a better time for the Boston Bruins as weird as that is to say because the Bees are still winning but if Jake DeBrusque exploded and had a career year You just know that he was going to be looking for a ginormous payday, which the Bruins could choose to pay him with the amount of cap space that they have, or he could walk. Now, I'm not saying that Jake DeBrusque hasn't been an effective player, but he hasn't been contributing at an offensive level that we have grown to expect from him in the previous couple of years. Um, I'm slightly concerned about this, uh He has gotten a few good looks, but but like I said, not to the volume of which that he did before. What what's what's your concern level right now, Jake DeBrusque?
1: I'm concerned, but I'm not. If that makes sense, for me with Jake DeBrusque, is he's always been this type of of, of player that is extremely streaky. Like he'll go through these slumps, he'll come out, he'll look like the the, the top forward in the first round pick that he was he was drafted with. And then he'll look like he is now. And you're right. It couldn't have come at a better time for the Boston Bruins because he is in that contract year. I don't think that the Bruins really want to commit major money long term to him. And I really don't want them to either just because he is that kind of player that is very streaky. And I think last year he, he, he put it together a little bit more on a consistent basis than he did in years previous. And, yeah, I, I, he's not a guy that even even if he came out and blew the doors off again, I don't know if I, I – they, they'd give him the contract. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the Bruins wouldn't do it. I would just be very, very, very apprehensive to do it simply because I know what what he's done in the past. And I think we're at the point now where with Jake Dabreska we know what he is. And maybe last year was a little bit of a fluke where he would put a little bit more of a complete campaign together, but he has been traditionally a very streaky player where he'll go through the ups and downs. And the ups are really, really good, but the downs are really bad. So we are only eight games into the season again, so temper the expectation. That's where he is now. I think he's going to figure it out a bit. He's going to put goals on the board. He's going to put points on his stat sheet. And, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see where we'll see where it goes from here.
0: Absolutely. Um, I think Jeremy Swayman looks better than
1: Linus Olmark this year so far. I, I'm not there. I think they both have looked absolutely stellar. I mean, the stats speak for themselves. And again, I'm not putting that four goal performance on Linus Olmark against the Anaheim Ducks I don't I
0: don't think it's necessarily an indictment against Linus Olmark I think it's just a statement that Jeremy Swayman has looked on top of things this year Uh, his rebound control has been pristine you know historically speaking Swayman has been a little rough on where he puts the pucks uh, especially off of the pads and stuff off of the blocker but um his glove has been incredibly sharp this year. He's not, you know, getting just the webbing on it. You know, he's controlling it. He's uh looking very confident in that he still has got that that swagger and he's smiling and laughing after every play, which sometimes pisses me off. But when he's winning, I guess I can't complain about it. Um but uh but yeah, I mean Linus, I'm not once again, not saying Linus is looking bad. I'm not trying to create a goalie controversy. There but we've there. had this. We have had this conversation before. The Bruins need to make a decision at some Thank point. You. Not saying it during the season, but they need to make a decision on who their guy's going to be moving forward. Um, because we've got somebody that's more than earned a spot at the NHL level in the wings here in the AHL and Brandon Bussy. Um, and right now, I want to go with the young gun and and the RFA in Jeremy Swayman. But who knows what the next eight games will say.
1: They ask a lot of fans I want to keep alternating every other day. I don't want to see that. if Omar starts to slide and again, I've seen nothing in Omar's game that has made me think that he's lost that number one a play. I again, that failure in against Anaheim is on the guys in front of him. It's not on him. It's not like he let let in a weak goal, weak goal there to to you know allow the game to go to overtime and to eventually lose it. I think he was let down by his teammates in front of him and we'll move forward off of it. That being said, if Swayman continues, I want them to make the decision. If, and I, I've been very vocal about wanting to, to have traded Swayman in the off season, and I maintain that right now. But if this kid takes that next step and is able to seize the job that we all expected him to do, what, last year? We expected it last year, expected it maybe a little bit a year before too. Let him seize the job. Don't don't commit to this tandem that is not necessary. This every other day BS. Let him play two, three, four games in a row and see what happens. And if it doesn't work, you can go back to your tandem because you still got Linus Allmark back there. The same I would say the same thing on the other end. If Linus Allmark starts playing like the Vesna winner that he was last year, let him go. Let him play more than two games in a row because you have to find out. You have this is the year to find out. You have to find out and make a decision. Because again, tandems in the playoffs don't work. And I got a little bit of flack on Twitter when I was going at it with some people this past past week about about the goalie tandem and them alternating. I'm like, dude, it's never been done. It has never been successfully done. Vegas last year rode one guy. They 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 rode Brosois until he fizzled out. And then Aiden Hill came in and didn't seize the job back, and he went the rest of the way and won the Stanley Cup. A goalie is going to get hot in the playoffs, and I'm sorry. If you're going to have Linus Sollmark or Jeremy Swayman in the playoffs out there, pitch a shutout or pitch a one-goal, 40-save performance, win a game, and put him on the bench for the next one for the sake of keeping the tandem going, I'm going to be pissed. So make a decision. This is the time to find out. Let's see what happens over the next couple of weeks. And let's let's start making some moves with this
0: <laughs> we'll see we'll see how it goes I, <laughs> I think that Jeremy Swayman should get the tougher opponents right now based off his play and we'll we'll certainly how, we'll see how the uh, the cards are played by uh, goalie Bob Asenza and Jim Montgomery for the next short term You're um passionate about that huh <laughs> a little bit yeah um next week's schedule a little bit of a lighter schedule for the bees, which is a good thing. They could use a little bit more practice time, a little bit of time to rest and recuperate. Um, But uh, they're actually right back in action. By the time you hear this episode, the Bruins will have hosted the Florida Panthers. And I'm looking forward to Matthew Kachuk's return to TD Garden to see if he tries any more shenanigans. Um, I would really enjoy it if he just got punched in the mouth in a scrum. Um, Mm -hmm. That'd be good for me personally uh our good friends the toronto maple leafs will be visiting the boston bruins on big Thursday, one right there big one uh november 2nd there's uh a couple of really high-end uh divisional opponents right there um austin matthews is off to a good start in toronto and uh we'll have to see how uh that whole thing goes toronto has been experiencing a little bit of problem with stop me if you heard this one before keeping the puck out of their own net Um, what a surprise and goaltending
1: defense and goaltending. They've always had that problem.
0: Seem to figure it out. I don't know why like 42 year old Mark Giordano hasn't fixed that issue for them, but (laughs) maybe it's the fact that he's literally registered with AARP, but, um, and then, uh, the Bruins are back on a short road trip wrapping up the, uh, the week on uh, November 4th the Bruins will be playing the Detroit Red Wings again. So it'll be interesting to see how the Red Wings um, kind of break down the tape against the Boston Bruins, how they make adjustments. They'll have the the home ice change, so they'll be able to get the matchups that they're looking for. So that'll be a great contest for them uh, and the Boston Bruins to see how the bees are able to withstand those matchups that they don't get. And uh, yeah, but that what was once a West Coast start to the year, um, we now have four straight divisional opponents. So it'll be a great test for the bees in this upcoming week. Um, I think that they'll do pretty well. It wouldn't surprise me if, you know, a team like uh, Florida or Toronto gets the offense going against the Bruins and kind of catches them. With their pants down a little bit, uh, I'm. I, I hope that they're able to stifle the opposition. I mean, because that's how this team's built, right? Mm-hmm. This team is built with a very strong defense and v- arguably the best goaltending tandem in the NHL. So, scoring goals should not be an easy thing for the Boston Bruins opposition. A great test is going to be coming up, especially against Toronto.
1: Absolutely, and uh, that's that. That game's kind of encircled on my. Uh my schedule here to kind of be that first real true test for the team. It's on home ice Toronto's historically been a very tough play for the Bruins. The Bruins have owned them in the playoffs, but they've always, they've always played quality games against each other. So definitely looking forward to that one. And then, yeah, absolutely. Like you said about Detroit, let's see how, how Detroit is able to respond, you know, an up and coming team taking on, you know, the Bruins on their home ice a week later, after some time to be able to to break down what happened for them, they kind of got punched in the mouth. I expect them to come out in a different, with a little bit more intensity, maybe a little bit more fight in this one. And yeah, it's going to be exciting, an exciting week for the Boston Bruins.
0: Absolutely. Um, Before we wrap today, we just want to give our heartfelt condolences here at the Two Pad Stack for the awful incident that occurred over in the Mm -hmm. EIHL with the Nottingham Panthers forward, uh, Adam Johnson, uh, who unfortunately passed away after an on ice incident involving a skate. Um, You really hate to see this in hockey at any level. It's really what a lot of parents are out there and are, they're just absolutely terrified of happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And the videos out there circulating, I call on anybody that sees that to please, even if your, you know, human nature makes you want to see that to in order to like avoid it or whatever. Don't share that, please um, don't. It's 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 not it's not something anybody really should want to see. So, um, my condolences to his friends, his family, his teammates. Um, condolences to the the guy that had the incidental contact where his foot Absolutely. went up. Um, I've already seen some really crappy takes online where people are blaming that guy. And I can only imagine the amount of grief he's going through and the amount of guilt he's going through. So, um, really hate to see that. And, you know, it's a good moment to kind of take a step back and appreciate the amount of danger that these guys that we all, you know, are dragging and, and shit talking and analyzing that they put themselves through on a day to day, um, just for our entertainment. And, uh, Yeah, it's it's something I've never seen before as a as a hockey fan, as a hockey player. I've seen cuts and things like that, but something to this level, it's it's unheard of. So awful stuff out of uh, out of
1: England. Definitely. My condolences are going out to Adam Johnson's family and friends. Absolutely. it was very scary to see. It's happened a few times in the NHL where the trainers have actually been able to come out and save their lives. It happened to a goaltender, believe it or not, Clint Malarchuk back in the eighties. And it's, again, if you watch the video, it's, it's gruesome. It's, it's graphic. So I wouldn't encourage it, but it is, you know, it's, 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 it's such a fluke accident and it's, it's awful to see in here. And again, condolences to you know Johnson's family and friends and then you know I was one of those people that did happen to see the video and you could see the uh you know the defender instantly his reaction to it was just like oh no like that kind of reaction and it's it's not something you ever want to see in in hockey and you know everybody's a family when it comes to the sport of hockey so we're we're here you know giving our condolences and just supporting in any way we can obviously we don't know the family but You know, we're, we're here. We, we, we're, I don't want to say we understand, but like we're, we're thinking of, of everybody involved in this incident.
0: Absolutely. Um, before we wrap today's episode, I want to remind you guys that Bursch has a great football podcast going on. Also part of the primetime productions sports network here, um,
1: podcast called breaking the plane, uh, Bursch, who are your co-hosts again? I got Joe Schur and uh, Brennan Allen. Joe Schur is on Twitter at the the underscore JuicyJu, and Brennan Allen is there. We call him Kojak at Allen13Brennan. Love the football talk with those guys. Be sure to tune in this week. We drop episodes on Thursday. We're going to have a lot of arguing and venting and all sorts of stuff coming your way because of the Patriots and then picks, locks, all that fun stuff. So, yeah, appreciate the shout-out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then as a reminder, guys, we are a partner um, with SeatGeek over there. So uh, if you're ever looking to go catch a game or go whatever, go to a concert, SeatGeek's got your back. They've got a great way of kind of breaking down value on tickets. They'll show you if it's a good deal, if it's a bad deal compared to market price. And uh, yeah, check us out on on SeatGeek. You can just enter in the code 2PADSTACKPOD. That's the number two, P A D S T A C K P O D. Two pad stack pod is your code there. And we'll save you 20 bucks off your first purchase at SeatGeek. So um, it'll be a fun week to kind of keep our eyes on things. We, uh, Burge and I will monitor things and we'll get back to y'all next week. Um, but yeah, until then, we certainly appreciate you guys tuning in, checking out the episode, and uh, we'll talk to you then. Now have a good Peace. week. Go Bruins. Go Bruins. Let's go Bees.